mutual friend and a ministry leader from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And the moment we met, we knew that it was a God connection, a kingdom connection. And I have to tell you on a personal note, in the short time that I've known Pastor Terry, I feel like I've known him all my life. And he has been a source of so much blessing and encouragement, the way he exudes the love of God, the way he carries and communicates Abba's heart is just amazing and such a blessing. Pastor Terry has been in ministry all of his adult life, and for almost 25 years, he and his wife have co-pastored the growing, vibrant church, Christ Community Church in the heart of the city of Philadelphia. Pastor Terry also currently serves as the executive director of the Philadelphia Gospel Movement, a wonderful network of ministries whose purpose is to connect and to equip this region for the purpose of revival, harvest, and transformation. And isn't that what all of us need to be about as kingdom people? We want to see revival, we want to see harvest, and we want to see transformation come to our cities. And uh, that's the heart of Pastor Terry. And as you will uh, see in a few moments, Pastor Terry Davis is a gifted communicator. He carries the Father's heart. The anointing of God is upon him as he brings God's word to us today. Let's give him a very, very warm welcome to High Street Worship Center. Pastor Terry, thank you so much for coming to us today. Wow, thank you all. Uh, Pastor, Pastor Paul, what a gift he, he is. And I've been waiting pins and needles to meet his beautiful bride. And we got a chance to meet Kathy this morning. Thank you all for welcoming us uh, during our worship time. You can just sense the presence of God here. God is here. God is here. And I, I love making room for him. We make, we make room for him because without him, we don't have anything. We don't have life. We can't see. We, we can't hear well. We've got to make room for the presence of Holy Spirit at all times. And may I say that that's not just here in this beautiful, beautiful place. But it's when we go home, right? It's when we go to the market or when we go bowling, <laughs> you know, when we go out to dinner. We take him with us. We take him with us. And so I just really appreciate you all uh, welcoming myself and my beautiful wife, Pam. Uh, sweetie, just stand up for a minute and just let them love on you. Will you guys love on my wife? We have, uh, we have been married for uh, this coming September 12th. We'll be 35 years, and the Lord has just blessed us so wonderfully. Uh, we, have, we have three sons who are all born again and love Jesus. 35. Uh, our oldest son is Ryan Daniel. He's 30. I'm sorry, he's 31. <laughs> he's 31. I still got 35 in my head, right? Uh, and um, our middle son is Andrew Christian, and he is 28. And our youngest son is Jordan Matthew, and he is 24. Um, 
And, you know, we, we thought the last one was going to be a girl. And so when it wasn't, we started praying for daughter-in-laws. And so the Lord has blessed us with two amazing, amazing, wonderful daughter-in-laws. We don't even put the in-law on there. They're our daughters. And, um, and they, too, are born again and love the Lord. All of them for years have served at our congregation. And um, most recently, um, our middle son, Andrew, and his wife, Amanda, uh, moved to Florida to be with her parents. Uh, they've gotten older, and so uh, they're spending some time down there. And, and we, wanted, we wanted them to get the benefit of what we've been enjoying uh, for, for years. And uh, our oldest son is married to uh, Emily, and um, she's come from a family with... Uh, Man, 10, 10 pastors uh, in the family. And when God brought the two of them together, you could just sense his presence um, of legacy. And, and you don't have to be successful in the kingdom to, to have parents and grandparents who serve the Lord and love the Lord. But when it does happen, um, there is such a presence that flows down. And um, we are so grateful for all of our children, Ryan and Emily, have our only granddaughter, Melody Grace. And uh, this coming Saturday, she'll be four years old. And she gets the whole heart, the whole wallet. She gets, she gets, she gets it all. She gets it all. And so um, just wanted to give you a little bit about our family. Um, as Pastor Paul said, uh, joining us is our beautiful niece, Naomi. And um, what a heart for the father. Naomi was just married this past, we had the privilege of marrying her this past February to her, her love, Chayton, and they both serve as um, just worshipers and uh, musical directors everywhere they go, and um, they do so much at Christ Community in Philadelphia, and we're, we're blessed um, where that is concerned. Wonderful, wonderful gifts with a wonderful heart for the Father. For some of you, as... Uh, as I met some of you coming in, you could see that I'm a hugger, and uh, that's, that's what I do everywhere I go. I hug. I, I meet people. I was in Home Depot last night, met a couple from Nigeria, and uh, spoke some life over them and gave them huge, huge hugs. And so I am a relational uh, pastor. That's my gift. I love people. I love uh, to build up and encourage from the power of the Holy Spirit, and that's what he is. And that's what he does. He always comes to encourage, to edify, and to comfort. It's the enemy that comes to accuse. He's the one that steals and kills and destroys. And so as we listen to the Father's heart, we have to be very careful to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so if I, um, do I have a little bit of license here? Yeah, again, okay. All right, so if, um, if we could just do something, it will take maybe about three minutes. Uh, the person who is closest to you, you know, ask them if it's okay to give them a hug. If not, give them a fist pump or give them a high five. But we want to interact just a little bit today. So everyone stand up. Stand up just for a moment, just for a moment. Say hi. Some of you are sitting next to people and you've never said hi to them. Now let's not just hug husbands and wives now, right?
All right, let's not go too long. Come on, you got to leave me a little bit of time to teach, so. I, uh, for years, I served as a, uh, as a worship leader at our, our congregation. Uh, Pam and I joined the church that uh, we serve as leaders. Uh, we joined in 1983, you know? That was when uh, you made a decision to join the church and the pastor would open up, you know, open up the doors, right? And so people come up and I stood about here and. Pam stood about there, and and uh, that was, man, that's almost, she's 30, 39 years ago, 39 years ago. And then a, uh, about a, a little over a year later, we started dating, spent three years dating, two of them dating, one of them engaged. And, um, but, uh, but I served as a, as a worship leader for years, and um, and I found it difficult when I transitioned into teaching and preaching. It's like, all right, Lord, do I, do I lay that down? And early on, I did. Early on, I, I laid it down and had amazing gifts and pastors and worship pastors um, come through our, our congregation. And, uh, and I left it there. But then I would always find myself wanting worship again. And, um, and there's this really neat guy out in Pittsburgh. And, and the Lord said, watch him. And, and I, I watched him do some, some sort of teaching and singing once. And, man, he just messed my heart up. This is a guy named uh, Joseph Garlington. And um, he would just flow in and out and gave me once again uh, just the freedom to experience atmosphere and worship. And, and so that's what I do. That's what I do. Um, so I'll teach, but um, if a song bubbles up, I'll, I'll move into some singing. And I pray that... Um, you guys are open to that. Are you open to that? Wave at me if you're open to that. Okay. Yeah. I, I heard years ago, back in the uh, in the 80s, there was a guy out in Oklahoma. His name is Ken Stewart, and he said something, and it really gave me such confidence. He says, he says you you have a gift, and you are a gift. So just go and give yourself to whoever will receive you. And uh, and I've lived by that for a long time. So. Uh, Right now, I just want to add and expand what this amazing brother did this morning. Thank you. For, will you honor this worship leader? Thank you for creating an environment where presence is here. And I want to just expand on that a little bit. Um, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about revival. Um, but uh, one of the songs that was bubbling up in me while we were sitting there is a song called Holy Spirit. 
And the words are, Holy Spirit, fill the room. That's, that's all it is. And, and, and let it start with you. Let it start with you. Everything we do always starts with us. So, so here's, here's the words. You guys catch on and then just join me. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Fill the room. Fill the room. Fill the room. Fill the room. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Fill the room. Fill the room. Fill the room. Fill the room. Holy Spirit. Yeah, come on, everybody say. Holy Fill the room, fill the room, fill the room, fill the room, Holy Spirit. Come on, welcome him in. Holy Spirit, fill the room, oh, fill the room, fill the room. Let's get a little bit louder. Holy Holy Spirit, oh, Holy Spirit, fill the room, fill the room, fill the room, fill the room. We're going to change it. Holy Spirit, Holy, I say this time, say fill my room, fill my room. Fill my room, fill my room, fill my room, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, fill my room, 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 fill my room. Fill my room, 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 fill my room. fill our room? How does, he, how does he fill me? You know, Proverbs, the fourth chapter says this. He says, he says, above all things, over everything else you do, he says, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Because the heart, out of the heart, come all of the, the forces of life. And so we got to guard our heart. That's, 
That's when he comes. Proverbs says, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. So if God's going to illuminate, he's going to illuminate in our spirit. How does he get here? How do, how do we guard that? Well, we guard through all the gates, our eyes, and our ears, what we say, what we meditate on, what we think about, what we ponder. All of these are access points to our heart. And so when we say to him, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, fill my room, fill my room. We're saying, I want you to, I want you to govern what I look at, what I listen to. I want you to govern. I give you access to what I dream about so that when it gets to my heart, it's just all you. And I want to guard it. 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 It's in the heart that your will is that place where you say yes. And after yes is when we give God our great energy. And so what Jesus was talking about when he said, love God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, all of your strength. We want to live in that place. I share with you that I wanted to talk today about revival. Revival. Um, I was mentioning uh, Joseph Garlington to you earlier. And uh, he wrote this song years ago. I grabbed a hold of it. I was up in North Jersey, and remember he was, he was teaching, and it was, a, it was a worship event, and he got up to teach, and I remember sitting, it was this big cathedral, and I remember sitting over there on the floor, you know, the, the person who was leading said, hey, find a very, very comfortable place. Find a comfortable place. And so I, I found a place, and I, I was just sitting right over there, not too far from the stage, but just sitting and he started singing this song, and man, it messed me up when it came to revival in the heart. And the words of the song are, change me. Everybody put your hand on your chest. Say, change me. Mm, change me, change me. That's, that's the words to the song. And this is what it says. This is what it says. Change me into your image lord into your likeness lord change me please change me into your image lord i want to look like you lord Change me. Change me into your image, Lord. Into your likeness, Lord. Change me. Into your image, Lord. 
into your likeness, Lord. Change me. Then it says, I want to be like you. Be like you, oh Lord. Change me. I want to be like you. bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, that's our desire this morning. We want to be changed. Changed into your image. Everyone who's come in here this morning, whether they've never met you at all or those that have known you and maybe they've strayed away. Disappointment kicked in and they've gotten off track. Or those of us, Father, who've just been living for you and searching for you and wanting to be so aligned with you. This morning, we all come to your holy mountain and we say, change us. Fill us. Wash us. We want to be like you. Bless our time together, Lord, and may, may eyes be opened, may hearts be filled, and we never, ever be the same again after this morning. And Father, not because of me or anything I bring, but because your presence is here and we know the results of you being present is change. So change us today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to lead you to... Well, well, hey, look, I, I love, you know, clapping for Jesus. So if we're going to do it, let's make it thunderous. Let, let's give the Lord a crazy praise now. Pray crazy. We bless you. <laughs> we bless you, Lord. We bless you. I want to, um, I want to talk just, just for a few minutes, just for a few minutes, I want to talk about revival, revival. And... I'll give you some terms, and, you know, if you want to take notes, that would be great. I'm going to give you two passages of Scripture I'm going to read from. One of them is uh, Acts, the third chapter. And, um, and in the book of Acts, we're going to, we're going to read from, we're going to read from uh, verses 19 and 20. So it's going to be Acts, chapter 3, verse 19 and 20. And then we're going to spend some time in... Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and in that passage, we'll read from verses 15 to 18. So Acts chapter 3, verses 19 and 20, and Acts and, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and that'll be verses 15 to 18. Um, these, are, these are two passages that I just absolutely love. I live by these, and, and I will tell you that what I'm sharing... Uh, the goal is, you know, get this to where you can teach it. Get it where you live it and then where you can teach it. And you don't always need a lectern or, or a podium uh, to teach. Everywhere you go. Remember we were talking about change and presence. First it's me and then I take it home. 
And I'll talk a little bit about that today. We're going to take whatever we do, whatever we learn, we want to take it home. We're going to take it home. And we're going to make sure that our families experience what God is doing in us. It's nothing like it. I'm a firm believer that the light that shines the farthest shines the brightest at home. Can I say that part again? You know, if you want to write that down, it would be great. The light, God's light is shining through you. The light that shines the farthest. How, how far is your influence? And so however far it goes, the brightness of it really starts at home. You know, so, so take, take any of my titles away. You know, pastor, leader, whatever. Take it away. I, I must be sure that I'm living in grace and love and honor at home with Pam first. Okay? So whatever we get today, let's let it, let, let it permeate our heart. Let it come into our ears, our eyes. Remember those access points. Let it come into our eyes, our ears, our, our ability to imagine. You know, write some of these things down so that you don't forget. And then go practice at home. See, I don't feel like we need to be at a church for hours and hours and hours. And hours. No. We come in, we get encouraged, we get built up, we get strengthened, we fellowship with one another, we worship together because we need to be around each other, and then we go and practice. We go and live it out. We go and bless. That's what we do. That's what we do. So I want you to get this to the degree where you can teach it, where you can teach it. And so we'll spend time in... Uh, uh, Acts chapter 3, verse 19 and 20, and 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 15 to 18. And we talk about revival. What is revival? Here's a simple definition for revival. Revival is God consciousness. So it's not like, hey, you know, this revival is coming. And I know, you know, historically, you see revivals. When I was a little boy, um, my, uh, I grew up in church. Um, my, my dad... Mom were the leaders in the congregation. My dad was an associate pastors in the congregation. And, you know, we used to go, I grew up in Philadelphia, and so we would go into playgrounds and go to outside of churches and, you know, sometimes big lots, and they'd have a revival. They'd have a revival. They're trying to bring God into a neighborhood. And that's important. That's important. We may not do it the way we did it back then, but how many of you know we need God in our neighborhoods? God needs to come to our neighborhoods. The interesting thing is that I don't necessarily believe that the church, the, the congregation as a whole, needs to go to a particular neighborhood. Personally, I believe that there are agents on every street that represent the kingdom of heaven. So what do we plan to do? Man, if we could own our streets and own our neighborhoods, connect with other Christians and begin to pray over the streets, pray over the intersections that you live on. You're talking about a revival. Now we're talking about a revival. What is that revival? It is a revival of consciousness, awareness of God. There are two parts to it. The first one is the consciousness of God, the awareness of God. The second part of a revival is now me acting on it, responding to what God has said. And that's where we get to this place of personal revival. 
And so the title, if there's a title that we'll use today, we'll call it Experiencing Revival. Experiencing it. You say, well, you know what? I've been revived. I accepted Jesus. Jesus is my Savior. He came into my heart. You know, I remember when I was a little boy. I was born with a heart condition. I was the youngest of five, and the doctor uh, told my mom and dad that I wasn't going to live past 10. And this, this, this issue was going on in my heart. And um, the interesting thing is, at 11, I got born again. And I'm sure you understand, I'm not 10, right? <laughs> Thank God for his healing power. Thank God for his healing power. But as I grew up, I began to see those revivals. Even Billy Graham, I'd watch Billy Graham. Because stadiums filled with people coming to Jesus. Coming to Jesus. And that's that initial awakening. God, I'm conscious of you. I'm conscious, I'm conscious of your love for me. I'm conscious of your plan for me. And then I want to act on it. And so that's that first step. People come to Jesus because they are aware that God loves them. They're not aware, and I hope you get this, even as you transfer this to other people. I hope you are aware that God's plan in sending Jesus was not to condemn. It's important for us to follow that model. Sometimes we get around people and they don't know God. And we look at what they do. We look at what they say. And so we begin to now come and Wave that finger. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, and whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. One translation says the life of God. That, that word life is zoe. It's, it's put this way. It's the life that makes God God. Jesus came so that that life could be put in you. That's verse 16, sometimes, and I remember even for me as a little boy, I, I believed you accept Jesus, you live forever. Well, the reality is that you accept Jesus, you choose where you live forever. Because we're all going to live forever. We're all going to live forever. What you choose when you accept Jesus is where you live. You know, the, the, the first death is our physical bodies will give out at some point. If you live long enough, our bodies will give out. But there will be a resurrection and, and a judgment, and, and we all will stand before the judgment seat. And so it's while we're alive here that we choose where we live forever. Like the story of the rich young ruler. I mean, sorry, the story of the rich man and Lazarus. How many of you have ever heard the story of rich man and Lazarus? Some of you have? Not, not everybody? Okay. There's this rich man, the Bible says Jesus told this story. It was a certain man, so it's not a parable. It's a certain man, and he fared sumptuously, uh, King James Version puts it, and he had everything he wanted. But then there was this beggar, and this beggar's name was Lazarus. Not Lazarus that Jesus raised from the dead, brother of Mary and Martha. Here's this other guy named Lazarus. And he had all these sores, and, and he was sickly, and he was at the, the table many times of this rich man. And uh, the Bible says that the, the dogs would come and they would lick his sores. Um, but he had a heart for God. And the rich man didn't really care about God or Lazarus. And the Bible says they both died. And the, 
the, the, uh, when Lazarus died, he went to what was called Abraham's bosom. That was paradise. You know, at that time, hell used to be broken up, or Sheol used to be broken up into two areas. One place was a place of paradise, and Abraham was there, and on the other side was a place of torment. And so when, Liz, when Lazarus died, he went to Abraham's bosom, paradise. But there's this big chasm in between. It's this gulf. And then there's Lazarus, and here he is. When he dies, he's in a place of torment. And he looks over, and he sees Lazarus. And he sees Abraham. He says, Abraham, send Lazarus to dip his finger in the pool and come and cool my tongue because I'm in torment over here. And what's the point? Why am I going into this? Because you are the same person when you leave. The rich man is still treating Lazarus like a slave. He's still treating him like a nobody. He's still treating him like a little beggar. Abraham said, even if I wanted to get to you, even if Lazarus wanted to get to you, we couldn't. But then the rich man became evangelistic-minded. So he says, you can't get to me and I can't get to you. At least send somebody back to tell my brothers. Essentially what he's saying is that I made the, the wrong choices while I was alive. My brothers don't have to. And Abraham said, hey, there, there'll be those who will talk to them. And so they're going to need to choose. But that's what happens when you choose life. When you choose Jesus, you choose where you live forever. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the first step to God consciousness. But here is something interesting so that we know when it is God that is talking to us. Jesus, right after that verse, in verse 17 says... We know John 3.16. John 17, John 3.17 says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. My favorite translation of that passage is St. John 3.17, the Message Bible. It's a beautiful picture. It says, God didn't go through all the trouble to send his son merely to point out your defects and wave an accusing finger. He came to make things right. Oh, that's so important. Because when we welcome the heart and the plan and the mind of God in, God is always trying to get things right. He's always trying to fix things. He's, he's always trying to restore. He's trying to make it better. And so whether it's you being revived for the first time or coming back to the awareness of God or that ongoing revival, that ongoing awareness of God, make sure you're responding to the Father's heart because he's not coming to wave his finger at you, trying to condemn you, lock you away. That's what condemnation is. It locks you away like a condemned man, a condemned woman in prison. Another aspect of condemnation, another aspect of that that the devil preaches is hopelessness. In essence, Jesus is saying, I didn't come to point out that you're so bad that you've got no hope. He says, no, I came to make things right. 
He wants to make things right in your marriage and your parenting. He wants to make things right financially. And I'm not talking about, you know, this prosperity thing where you get rich and you get a million dollars. No. I'm talking about a father who takes care of his children and then blesses his children so that you can be a blessing to someone else. You should always be looking to bless from what God has blessed you with. And so when revival takes place, that's how he comes. It's God consciousness. It's the awareness of God. And may I say, if you came in here this morning and you haven't been aware of God, and I'm not talking about that finger pointing, that wagging, that highlighting that you're no good and and you're horrible and God's mad at you. May I tell you today, and may I speak as a prophet today, God's not mad at you. He is so in love with you. And if you will be one of those individuals that will own your street and own your neighborhood to the degree where you pray, but you're also willing to show God to the people on your street or on your job or whatever sphere you lead, give that out. Don't give out the wagging finger. Don't give out the judgment. The beauty of the church bringing this woman who was caught in the act of adultery. I mean, picture it. Say this is now. Say this thing happened. And now the Christians drag this woman in. And here's Jesus. He says, well, Moses said that we're supposed to stone her. What do you stone? What do you say? What did Jesus do? Jesus began to write on the ground. Oh, that we could write on the ground when we are faced with a dilemma. That we could be so in tune to the Holy Spirit that we begin to write on the ground. We do something that is so out of, out of earth and into heaven that it causes people who want to bring shame and regret, bitterness and brokenness to others. Jesus starts writing on the ground, and when everybody left, conviction kicked in. I don't know what he was writing. I don't know what he was writing. I don't know. But it was enough to clear the church. And when the church was cleared, he looked around and he saw this woman that was caught in this wicked act. Yet there was something about Jesus that caused her to stay. Everybody else left. Why did she say? Why did she stay? I remember being a little boy and hearing my mom sing this song. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. No one ever cared for me like him. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cares for me. Here's the deal. He didn't start caring for for us when we were perfect. He said, I knew you before you were even formed. I set you apart. Let me pause for a minute 
and say that that talks about where life starts. He says, before you were in the womb, I knew you. But let's not get too high on, hey, the abortion, hell yeah, that law's been. Look, he also cares after you're born. Mm. And when you're broken, and when you're poor, and when you're bruised, and when you're confused. So he's the giver of all life. Hmm. So I got a whole bunch of amens on the first one, but I didn't get a whole lot of amens on the second one. So when you come to Jesus and, and you've got these poor choices that you've made, he said, I care about you. You don't have to leave. I'm not waving an accusing finger, but I can make it right. I can fix it. And we become aware of God. What do we become aware of? That God is holy. He's holy. He, <laughs> he is holy. And holy is not a bad word. It's four letters, but it's not a bad word. All it just means is that he is set apart. And when he says he wants us to be holy, he wants us to be set apart. He wants us to be set apart. Sanctified. That's what happens when you accept Jesus. He makes you holy. It is positional sanctification. I'm holy. I am set apart for him. My spirit. He has filled me with his spirit. The life of God has come in me. That's what Jesus spoke of. And in Paul, Paul in 2 Corinthians 5 says, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new is here. And it's so wonderful, he says, that he then gives you a ministry of reconciliation since you've been reconciled to God. Have you been reconciled to God? If you've been reconciled to God, raise your hand. Raise it as high as you can. I've been reconciled to God. I mean, look around. Hold, keep your hand up. Look around and see the people who have been reconciled to God. But then Paul says he gives us that ministry of reconciliation. That means we go and we reconcile people to God. We let them know, just like Jesus did with the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, just like Jesus did with the woman he, he met at the well, just like Jesus did with Zacchaeus hanging out in the tree, just like Jesus did with the guy who was stealing from people. What does he say to him? I judge you? No. He looked at him and he says, you know... I want to hang out at your house. I want to spend some time with dinner tonight. That made such an impact on this guy that by the time he hit the ground, he was calling Jesus Lord. And he says, I'm giving back everything that I stole. See, when you have an encounter with God, his holiness begins to overtake you. You can't have an encounter with God and not see him in all of his glory. That's what happened in Isaiah chapter 6. He said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And then the longer I looked at him, the more undone I became. He's like, oh, there's some stuff going on with me. And that's what happens in revival. Revival causes you to see. You, that's what, that's the song. Change me. Change me. 
And so if you're that person that has never given their life to Jesus, give your life to Jesus today. Don't buy into the notion that he's mad at you. He is not mad at you. And he's already dealt with the sin issue. He says, just let me in. And me and the lordship of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the Father says, we'll strengthen you. We'll strengthen you. We'll empower you. Even the things that you don't want to do, you'll end up saying like Jesus. I have allowed so much of you into my mind. I've allowed so much of you into my ears. I've allowed so much of you into my words that I now say, not my will, but your will be done. Acts the third chapter. Acts third chapter, and, and, and this is for those of us who know God, love God. Look at what it says in, in Acts chapter 3 and verse 19 and 20. He says, repent. I'm reading out of the King James here. It says, repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Can I say something to you and you not look at me weird? I live, I try to live in a state of repentance all day long. Well, well Terry, how much sinning are you doing? <laughs> that you got to repent all day long. You know what repent means? Repent just means I'm going this way, but now I find out God's over there, so I am turning. That's all repentance means is turning. And we get all kinds of dust on our minds and in our hearts and temptations and even perspectives. And I'm always saying, God, I don't want to stay in my perspective. I want your perspective. It's repentance. That's revival. Ongoing repentance. And it can be challenging because sometimes we, we get disappointed. Man, there are things that come in our lives and it's like, whoa. And we sit sometimes in our thoughts and our emotions, our feelings, you know, that's what the, the teenagers and the young adults say today, like, oh, you and your feelings, you know. And we get in our feelings and we sit there for a minute, next thing you know, God's over here and he's trying to pull us. You're not wicked. You're not this horrible person. He says, I just want to, I want to get you to change your mind. It happened to Peter on the rooftop. He's saying, I want you to rise and kill and eat. And Peter's like, no, 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 no. And he's showing, he's like, God loves everybody, every nation, male and female, bond and free, old and young. He loves everyone. Peter, after walking with Jesus for three years, Peter, after being filled with the Holy Spirit, gets this aha moment, what some say are 10 years after Jesus has ascended. He says, I now get that God is no respecter of persons. And so God used him to meet up with Cornelius. And here's this revival of God coming to the Gentiles. And we ought to celebrate that because that's me. I was a Gentile, man. I wasn't born Jewish. But he grafted me in. So Peter experienced Repentance. Repentance. If we're going to live in a state of revival, 
Let's live in repentance. And may it come home with us. Or if things come up with our husbands and our wives or parents and children or siblings, things come up where the culture tries to push you away and drag you away from God. Let's live in a state of repentance. Lord, how's my heart? When I was little, they used to sing this hymn, Nothing Between My Soul and My Savior. It doesn't mean I'm robbing and I'm stealing and I'm cursing and I'm, I'm doing all this crazy stuff that people see. It may be those other areas of my heart. It took our congregation a couple, a, couple of, uh, a couple of years ago, we took our congregation on a fast. Every time anybody hears fast, they think food. It was a different kind of fast. This was, uh, you know, two weeks ago, we're, we're at a at this group in Philadelphia, all of these young people, it's going to be, you know, they're, they're, they're planning this huge event over at the Leah Course Center over on Temple University's campus. And thousands and thousands of kids, teenagers and young adults are going to, you know, gather. And so they said, hey, PT, will you come and speak? You know, stir them up, get them ready. And so I get there and I'm talking to them. And this is the, this is the Tuesday before July 4th. And I said, hey, guys, we're going to do a fast. And they're like, What? A fast. It's like, yeah, we're going to do a fast. At that point, from the day of that event up to the day that the big event is going to take place, from the rally to the actual event was 40 days. I started talking about 40 days. All the 40s in the, in the Bible, and Jesus had a 40-day fast. I said, we're going to go on a 40-day fast. They're like, what? Who is this man that y'all bought in to talk to us? July 4th is Monday. Invitations are out. I already got the smoker, the barbecue, potato salad, corn, the greens, the rice, the beans, the chicken. <laughs> there it is, right? And then I said to them, I said, it's not a food fast. They're like, what? I said, it's a CGA fast. CGA fast. Y'all hear how quiet it was? That's how quiet it was then, just like it was right there. CGA, what's that? A CGA fast, and this is where revival kicks in. You know you've been revived if it hits you in this place. CGA fast is where you fast. Complaining, gossip, and accusation. Mm, yeah, it sounded like a courtroom for a minute there. Yeah, it got quiet. And then they're like, wow. We get it. We get it. We want to see revival happen with all of these teenagers and young adults. And so, yes, Father, I see you want us to be purged. You want us to be walking in revival ourselves. Revival always shows up with what you say and who you say it to. The Bible calls the devil the accuser of the brethren. Jesus started talking to a group of 500 that were following him. He says, I want you to start eating my flesh and drinking my blood. And they're like, whoa, we are out. <laughs> and so out of 500, 488 left. See, it always puts you in a place where you got to make a decision. You got to make a choice. Jesus turns to the 12 and he says, are you guys going to leave? Peter said, where are we going to go? You have the words of the life of God. 
So I'm going to push you to experience revival. But experience revival at home. Go home and start talking nicer. And don't just stop complaining and stop gossiping and stop accusing. Replace it. My wife did some teachings, you know, a year ago when we started this whole, a couple years ago when we started this whole CGA thing, and we shifted it. It's not just CGA. Replace it with blessing. Jesus said, bless and don't curse. So don't just be quiet, you know. You start, oh, not going to complain, up, oh, not going to gossip, up, oh, not going to accuse. All of a sudden, you're not saying anything. And that's fine on one end, but you got God in you. And if you're experiencing revival, God consciousness, then now you bless, you encourage, you speak words of life. Do that to your neighbors and watch the climate change because he's in your room. I'll read this last scripture to you and then we'll, we'll close. The scripture is in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. I'm sorry, 3 verse 15. It says, but even into this day, he's talking about Moses coming down from the mountain and the veil having to be put on the faces because the glory of the Lord was shining so bright. God's presence was so bright on Moses after having been with him. That's why he made that statement. He said, listen, if you don't go with us, we don't want to go. If your presence isn't with us, we don't want to go. Here he says, gets to the end of this chapter. It says, but even unto this day, when Moses or the Old Testament is read, the veil is upon their hearts. The veil is upon their hearts. Verse 16, nevertheless, when it shall turn, when the heart shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Verse 17, now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Here's my, one of my favorite verses. But we all now with open face, beholding as in a glass or a mirror, and that's what the word of God is, the glory of the Lord, what is it? We are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of that's why we sang the song in the beginning. Change me into your image. In order for that to happen, we have to have an open face or an open heart. How many of you like hamburgers? Not many? BLT? She's like, I do. You know, sometimes I'll go to a diner. A lot of diners in Jersey. I grew up in Philadelphia. Not a lot of diners in Philly. Come over to Jersey, man, diners everywhere. In Philly, when you want a sandwich, most of the time it's at a fast food restaurant, and they come to you and they bring the sandwich or they bring the burger, and it's closed. It's a closed face. It's already got, whether it's mustard or ketchup or pickles or onions, you know. You know, growing up, McDonald's, too, all beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, Onions. <laughs> what a sesame seed bun, right? I don't believe God wants us to come like that burger that's already been put together. I believe when God talks to us, 
about who we are. We're a diner sandwich. Diner sandwich, they come and they've got the, the burger and it's got maybe onions and pickles on there but then it's got the ketchup and the mustard and the mayonnaise on the side, right? And he gets to take on take off or put on whatever he wants. That's what happens in revival. He said, come with an open face. Oh, come with an open and so if God wants to take certain things out, we let him. And if he wants to put things on, like more faith, more love, more grace. If he wants to take fear out and shame out and regret out, let him. If he wants to put boldness in and confidence in and unconditional love in, we let him. Our heart isn't closed. There's not the bun on the top. Or in Moses, there's not a veil covering us. And so he says, and we all with unveiled hearts, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we're changed into the same image. I pray when you go home today, that what the Holy Spirit deposited in you, consciousness of God, awareness of God, seeing him, that you go home and you, you live revived. You live aware of God. Even if you are going in that direction, say, God, I want to in that direction. And even if it's challenging, say like the young man, Lord, I believe, but help the part of me that's struggling. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. You let him in. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Fill my room, fill my room. Fill my room, fill my room. If you don't know Jesus, I want to lead you in a short prayer. Because I don't like letting people walk out of the room without really responding to God. So everyone, just bow your heads where you are. Just bow your heads. Just right where you are. And if you've never accepted Jesus, let me lead you into a beautiful relationship with him. Because the way he sees it, he says, I love you. I've always loved you. I love you with an everlasting love. He says, I run after you. I run after you. You are my joy. You are my heart. And because of Adam and Eve and their choice, everyone was born separated from me, but I am running that's why I gave my son Jesus. And he paid the price for every sin there ever was. And if you accept him as Savior, in an instant, I make you right with me. And that's my love. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, 
if you're that person, then just say those words. Say, say, Jesus, I believe you love me. I believe you died for me. And today, I turn away from all that is off and all that is wrong. And so I say, Jesus, be my Lord. May your blood wash me and cleanse me. And so I can say now, Father, help me to grow. Help me to be aware of you and to lead others to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Now, for, for those of you that are running with the Lord or those of you that are trying to run with the Lord or those of you who, you know, maybe you got off track, may I say the Father is here. And his arms are wide open. He's not the one that's bringing hopelessness and shame and guilt and regret. He's the one that says, let's talk about it. Let's reason. Even if your sins are off, I can make them white as snow. I bless you all. Will you all just stand to your feet just for a moment and hold your hand up high, whatever your good hand is. <laughs> you know, the one you, I'm left-handed, so I'm always putting my left hand up, but Hold your hand up, and, and with your heart, just close your eyes for a moment. Say this with your heart. Say, Lord, I want to experience ongoing revival, awareness of you that starts with me, and I take it home and then abroad. Bless me to bless others. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, will you put your hands together and scream for God? <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? Amen. Thank you, Pastor Terry, for that incredible challenge. A word of encouragement, a word of blessing.